Hello, beautiful people. This is Dr. Samantha Cooper, and you're listening to episode one of season one of the Dr. Cooper and Co. podcast, the show that explores spirituality, healing, and relationships. Today, Tiffany Hill Cook and I will be discussing what spirituality is and sharing insights on the spiritual awakening process. Stick around, you won't want to miss this beautiful conversation. Hello, beautiful people. What a wonderful treat we have for you today. Well, and for both of us, actually. This is the very first episode of the Dr. Cooper and Company podcast. I'm Dr. Cooper, or just Samantha is perfectly fine. If you don't know me already, I'll give you the very short version of who I am. I'm a certified public accountant by day. That, however, is just my day job. My passion lies in teaching, helping others, writing, and channeling. In fact, channeling is how I met our first guest today. I am so excited to introduce the beautiful, the talented Tiffany Hill Cook. Tiffany, you want to tell us about yourself? Thank you, Samantha. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, I, like Samantha, uh, we met through... But one dimension of ourselves, spirituality, and uh, I am identify as a channel as well. Uh, I'm a human being just trying to figure out day to day what my purpose is and how to to make you know actualize that purpose. That's fantastic, fantastic. A, a human being or a soul having a human experience, <laughs> something along those lines. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I love that you touched upon how we met. I think that was serendipity at its finest. Did I ever tell you the story of how I chose you that day in our channeling class? No. No. So we were given the option to sign up for, I think, like a 10 or 15 minute free reading on our break in this dream interpretation course. And I don't remember how many people there were to choose from, but it was four, five, six, something along those lines. And we didn't know any of them. It was just a list of names. And my middle name is Tiffany. So I chose the beautiful Tiffany. (laughs) I have never known that. There you go. There's your surprise. Wow. Wow. Which for the rest of the world, since you don't know us, turned out to be such a beautiful surprise because we had our free 15 minute reading and I latched on to Tiffany. I think she likes me too, but I latched on to Tiffany um, because she's just a beautiful soul and we have the most amazing conversations, which is exciting because we're going to share one of them with you today. Yeah. 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 Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so our first big question is your, um, I'm going to lead us into the world of spirituality and terminology and labels, which we all hate, but I feel like they often stand in the way of new communication, new relationships, or expanding our connections with people who probably believe about the same things we do, but we don't have the communication skills or the right terminology to understand one another. So I'm going to open it up with a great big question, spirituality. It's a big word. And I feel like a lot of people 
have no idea what that means. So what does spirituality mean to you? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. And, and when we met earlier this week uh, to catch up um, about the show, when you propose that question, uh, the, a deep rooted feeling of love, it almost overwhelmed me in that moment. And um, ironically enough, I subsequently, after our meeting, looked up the definition of spirituality. I'd never looked up the definition. I don't know. Have you ever done that? I have not. I'm anxious to hear what, you, you, what you found okay. out. Cool. So the, the, the definition of spirituality is um, the quality of concern for one's soul or spirit as opposed to material and physical things. Ooh, I love that. And so when I heard it, I was like, it was for the first time in my life, I knew the essence of something mm. before I knew how it is defined. Because mm -hmm. I know the feeling of spirituality in the form of warmth that that vibrates up and down my my spine starting at the, you know, that my crown and really can go all the way through my entire body down to my feet. There can just be this radiating vibration of warmth that the first time I ever experienced it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> was this energy, I'd, I identified it as this <clears throat> uh, entity, something that was outside of myself trying to enter, enter my body. And, um, now I've, uh, I've learned that for myself, I, I know that God exists. And so when I do have those feelings, um, it's the presence of God and it gives me a lot of security and safety and the ability to surrender. Uh, but for, uh, to, so to connect spirituality to the definition, I had a spiritual awakening in 2020 and there are a lot of individuals, I will use, you know, air quotes here that are waking up um, to their, their purpose and knowing that they're a part of something greater than themselves. Um, but prior to my awakening, I was working in corporate America in an outside sales role that uh, I was there for a short decade, only to find out one day I, I was able to to see through the rose colored glasses that it was a cult that I'd been working for. I had essentially given any piece of sovereignty that I had in the form of power to this organization. Uh, subsequently, uh, within a few days of, of that awareness kicking in, I saw my mother for the person that she had been my entire life, but I had emotionally not been able to allow myself to see reality for what it was. And so this facade that I had created in the form of how I physically looked and the house that I owned and the six-figure job that I had, the need or desire or purpose of it faded in a moment and none of it mattered anymore. Not, none of it, it was all, um, it, it was fake. It no longer aligned to my heart. Um, and uh, so, and since then, it's been a constant quest to, you know, really getting to find out at the root of my soul is who am I? 
I have no, the more I learn about myself, the less I know. And that what's so beautiful is individuals may ask, like, how do you even know where to look? It's like, we're always being guided. And it, that just works through our heart space. And we get these, you know, seemingly wild ideas that, you know, we'd have no idea what they're rooted in. But if we allow ourselves to act as if it is the truth, it can just take us to these just magical places that we never even knew existed. Um, and then when I think about, you know, how many different dimensions uh, or, you know, I guess titles of spirituality that I've learned about in this lifetime from astrology to, you know, some individuals love Reiki. It's like the universe is a brain that is just constantly seeking to learn about itself through our experience. So we've got to go out and have these experiences so that we can connect it to this larger organism that is the universe. And so that's why some people are more interested in one aspect of spirituality and why others are in another because we're learning about it for ourselves. It's a recalling in this human experience of what we already are. And that's what I think about spirituality. Wow. Ask a big question and you get an amazingly big answer. I think we could do an entire podcast on about 18 subjects that you brought up in that answer. <laughs> I don't that's know what fantastic. <laughs> well, that's another one of the beautiful channeling spiritual experiences too, is sometimes we don't even realize when we're channeling and the beautiful things that come through us. And I think you've mentioned at a time or two, I often don't, I don't remember after I've channeled an experience. So I, I love to write or often record myself when I channel because when it's over, it it fades very quickly like a dream. It, I wasn't blacked out, but I don't don't really remember. It was kind of there, and then ten minutes later, it's gone. <laughs> if even ten minutes, it's like a it's a yeah. Because for me, it's um, when we are thinking our thoughts and identifying with thought. That's the ego, and we're ultimately not living in reality. So when we're channeling, it's like we're 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 fully present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I loved your mention of a spiritual awakening and how your life, your reality, everything around you suddenly changed drastically. Oh, it sounds like almost in a turn of a dime, like a, a switch was flipped for you. I too have had that experience at least twice now in my life, at least the third one was a little less drastic, but the first two times were awakening. Um, the first one you said with realization of um, relationship with family members and things weren't what you thought they were. Um, I went through that twice with different family members and it can be crushing. It, your entire world suddenly looks like this evil playground from a horror movie that you don't recognize because it's not what was there yesterday and you woke up today and it's where am I what is this nothing is what I thought it was it's so disjointing terrifying disorienting um, I sometimes wonder if that's why so many people don't fully awaken simply because the process is not it's not beautiful it's not easy it doesn't just flow into butterflies like a Disney song. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the awakening process? I mean, how, how many do you think we go through and, and what are your, your thoughts for someone who thinks they're starting to enter one? Should they turn around and run or? 
you know what's so um I'd love to hear about your different awakenings I've had one uh one awakening uh that I am consciously aware of um in this lifetime and you nailed it they're intense Mm -hmm. is the best way to describe it they are intense um there is also this quote and I can't remember it exactly give me a moment it goes something like sometimes in life you're handed a pair of glasses and they're only made for you and once you put them on you can't take them off you can't give them to anybody else you can't they are yours forever and that's what I think about with this journey that we're all on albeit we are part of a collective group we are we are a you know pack species um there are definitely uh components of life though that are are meant to be lived selfishly and only for you it's like um you know when i was going when one of the first you know i call them knowings because it's not like i had belief in this it was just one day i knew this to be true Mm -hmm. is that god exists and that he, he, and whether you call it a he, that's just how I identify with him, but that he, he resides in all of us in the heart and every single cell of all of us. And that we are loved beyond any measure that we could ever possibly imagine. And this is not in the form of religion. This is just a relationship with this entity or being. And, um, for the first time, I realized that fear was not necessary or, or needed, albeit do I have fear at different moments? Absolutely. But that's a really large aspect of one's life traditionally that they're going to shed in a moment. And so your perception of what reality is, um, is, is essentially being rebuilt in a very short amount of time. Um, and that's why they refer to it as an awakening. It's like being reborn. I will tell you this there, there almost isn't a choice once you're moving towards it. It, You know, there's a processing of emotions and there's, I mean, I remember crying with just feeling the emotion of crying, needing to move through me in the form of energy, not attached to an event. I just had just this overwhelming sadness and I would cry for hours a day. And I look back and it was like, that was just every cry that I never allowed myself to have up until that time. I didn't know that. Or every, every time that somebody, I allowed someone's actions to, you know, I internalized them that someone's actions were because of something I did. Nothing that anybody ever does is actually about you. Mm-mm. It's their, it's, it's their bullshit or their, their, you know, ability to cope or, or transmute energy. Um, but it has nothing to do with you. And that's something else. Like I beautiful, uh, awakening moment was, you know, uh, it's not you, it's me. Mm-hmm. Like that is an actual, like that everything in life, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and I, you are exactly who I think you are. You, you know, there's no changing who you are to someone. Right. And so I don't need to be, need to be understood either. That's another component that I I've learned in this lifetime. Yeah. Wow. Another beautiful response with about six more podcast episodes, I think in there, <laughs> I'm going to step back just a notch. She touched on glasses a couple of times and that really resonated for me because so many of my visions and meditation lately from my guides have shown me taking off multiple pairs of glasses 
and crushing them. Um, and the message is just that, you know, my past life experiences, many of them I haven't processed yet, are still distorting my view of the world and primarily myself. I think the focus they're trying to share with me right now is a distorted view of myself and my own abilities. Um, and I found it so beautiful that you commented on the glasses as well, but in a different way, that we do have our own unique perspective um, that we're born with, given, developed. I'm not sure how we want to approach that, but essentially you do. Everyone has their own unique view. Um, I also like the notion that parts of it maybe aren't meant to be kept. Maybe parts of it we have developed from friends, relatives, trauma, uh, you name it. And it's distorting our view of of possibility of the universe, of our worldviews, of so many things. So I don't know, thoughts? Have you ever metaphorically shed some glasses Oh, so many. Yeah. And I've picked up a lot too. That's the beauty is, uh, you know, there, I I used to have blame for my parents. That was something that I needed to heal. And when I say blame is I know today that we choose our parents. I mean, we pick every, we, we pick every moment to happen in our lives. And so the moment that you can start to take ownership of that experience versus placing blame it creates a, you know, almost like a straight trajectory to love and acceptance. Um, so you have this really beautiful ability to create your reality mm-hmm. in the form of thoughts. And so you can alter the way that you believe and you think and create new agreements around life. Every, you know, if there's some aspect of yourself right now today that you were aware enough, because here's the other thing. I just recently heard this analogy and it's too good not to share is there's a really close proximity of your mouth and your nose. Oh boy. And, <laughs> okay. But if you were to go three days without brushing your teeth, you you wouldn't notice that. Everybody in the room would be able to notice that, but you yourself would not be able to. Okay. And so it's so easy to go, that's what's wrong with you. And don't you see what you're doing there? Um, you know, he and she, but you don't see the ways in which your the patterns of your behavior mm-hmm. are toxic, are unhealthy, the way that you abandon yourself, um, you know, belief systems that you have in place that keep you small, um, you know, those are all learned. And so you can reprogram that as well. Uh, it's the, um, the desire to do so because, you know, um, there's a song by, uh, uh, N-E-R-D. It says the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Oh, I love it. (laughs) A lot of the stuff you, um, it's, you know, it's a death to your ego. It's this presentation, this, um, idea that you have of yourself that isn't actually based in reality. Mm -hmm. And most people don't want to, you know, to face reality. They like to live in denial or rationalization or, you know, the, the ego manipulates the the reality of things in a variety of different ways. Victimhood, that could be another one. I'm powerless in this situation. You know, there are situations absolutely where there are victims. I would say a lot of the situations that people find themselves in, it's perceived victimhood. They do have a choice. They do have an option, but it might be uncomfortable. It's going to be unknown. Uh, the thing at the end of the day is, is we really don't have any control over day to day you know, something drastic could happen to the way where I live immediately. And I could be homeless. 
I would have choices after that to be able to move forward. Um, but you know, your perceived comfortability could also be gone in a moment as well. That's mm-hmm. preventing you from moving. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it too is, is the clinging. I think that was in many of the spiritual books I've read is how we cling to things, um, personality traits, I think included. Um, and you mentioned that in the spiritual awakening too, the, the days and days of crying, which I can wholeheartedly relate to, um, so much of that was, you know, old emotions or traumas or things that just needed to shake loose. They just needed to let them go and they had to come out somehow. But for me, I remember a lot of feeling like I was mourning. I was mourning the loss of what used to be. Um, and that doesn't mean that we can't grow and move on and be happy about what's coming as well. But when you let go of something, even if it's a bad thing, I know this makes no sense, but I have found myself too, when I let go of old things and and I know they're no longer serving me, there's still, there's still a mourning process because it's what you've known for, you know, I don't know how many years for me, some of these things are 10, 20, 30 years that I have held to, even though they're negative, it's still hard to let go of what you believe to be true or what you believe about yourself or what has always been. So there's a, a clinging, I think that happens there too. Oh, hundred percent. Well, it's like, um, uh, like a, the clinging is for me is like to what could have been hmm. like, if I had like, again, it goes into, if I could have only done this or if they could have only done this, there's this manipulation of reality and so it's the accepting of reality, you know, that allows you to move forward, but it's letting go of the story or the narrative that you held on to mm-hmm. that kept you safe. You know, we don't, we have these coping mechanisms because we needed them at some point in time. We, we, that was the only thing that we knew that allowed us to emotionally, psychologically to, to just move forward. The beauty though, I, I saw a counselor before I had an, like what I would call, what I referred to as my spiritual awakening. I always had hope. I had a deep rooted pain in my heart, deep rooted. And it, you know, it was just, just utter sadness um, working at this company and, you know, the, uh, uh, the relationship I had with my mother. And so um, I started seeing a, a counselor talk therapy in the clinical sense. And one thing she shared with me, and I was probably three, three or four years that I saw uh, a counselor weekly. And um, she goes, you know, how did she put it? So you develop these coping mechanisms that you take with you, but the, the, and you need it in the moment. But the beautiful thing is, is that you made it out. Mm -hmm. You survived it. Mm -hmm. And what kept you alive then you don't need today. That's and the that, hard part though. That stuff sticks with you. Correct. Yeah. In that moment, it allowed me to create awareness around my actions. When somebody started to get too close to me, you know, emotionally in the form of, you know, maybe we could be dating. My first reaction was to run. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to run, but it was like in my bones, everything was telling me to run. Because the, in my central nervous system, it was as if it was the first time that my dad had ever showed me any t- sort of love. And what would he do after? He would leave. Mm-hmm. And so I was punishing myself and this other person in my, in my in current reality for something that someone had done to me years ago. And so the moment that I could pause and say, 
I'm experiencing something that I need to give words to. I need to give value to this emotion in order for me to understand where it's coming from so that I can go and heal that part. And that's the, to your point, the ego wants to take us other places. It's like, you know, we'll just cover it up with another problem or another issue, or you're too sensitive, whatever the story is, Mm -hmm. but yes, hundred percent. It's, um, uh, uh, we are only as conscious as we are aware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the trauma responses, the, the things we've picked up along the way, I think is a really nice broad way of saying it are so hard to identify for me personally. I think that's true for most people, but for me personally, I've been working so hard at that lately and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult not only to identify the trauma responses, but then to figure out why you have them. And even if you accomplish those two things, the <laughs> getting rid of them is the biggest task of them all. Um, yes. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be a little bit vulnerable and share a similar story that kind of involves you. I don't know if you remember because you channeled it for me, but my current spouse um, loves me unconditionally. It's beautiful. It's confusing. Some days it's maddening because I don't understand him. <laughs> in so many ways, love him to pieces, don't always understand. And you helped me with that so greatly in a a channeling session some time ago now and shared that, you know, this is the first time, Samantha, you have had true, pure, unconditional love in your life. Not that your parents didn't mean well, not that other spouses didn't mean well, we're not pointing fingers or laying blame, simply pointing out that you now realize that the relationship you've had in the past were not unconditional love, not even with your parents. There was quid pro quo, there were ulterior motives, or there were people who didn't have the capability because they hadn't healed themselves, so they couldn't love someone unconditionally. So here I am now in this beautiful relationship with unconditional love, and his actions often don't make sense to me because they come from a place of pure love, and I don't understand it, which is a beautiful problem to have, I guess. But it it's a highlight of how important and how big trauma responses and past healing, all of that plays into your new relationships and every interaction you have on a daily basis. So yeah, I definitely echo your experiences in waking up to a new reality and figuring out why we're doing the things we are, even when we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The beautiful thing about what you just shared is, is that albeit he's giving that to you, but you're at a point where you know how to receive it mm-hmm. because someone can love you until they're, you know, until they have, I mean, love is an infinite. There's no, there's no, you know, shortage of it. You have an infinite supply of love. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can go, okay, well, I can only love five people. So <laughs> It's like, no, there's just an infinite amount of it, but only to the capacity that you're willing and, and able to, to receive. Mm-hmm. So that's really, that just shows the amount of love that you have for yourself. I think that was one of your opening comments in that first channeling session. Wow, you're glowing. <laughs> I probably mouthed off about not being pregnant or something to that extent. <laughs> you did look like you were glowing though. You were you were glowing metaphorically and literally. Yes. Well, and that's another one of your many gifts. You can see auras, correct? 
You know, um, yes and no. I definitely don't see them in the sense of like, um, I feel them more. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and, uh, but so, um, and I can definitely, uh, if I want to share this information if I want to, I'm able to discern if individuals, um, have entities, uh, that have maybe not the most, um, you know, uh, positive intent. Right. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, so, I'd, I'd like to say I have that ability, but I, I'm not entirely sure I do. I have sensed negative energy around people, but I don't think that's as fine-tuned as the ability you're you're talking about it may be that's the beauty too I love that you just shared that is that when I how I think both of us discerned that we had gifts before knowing even how they work with us Mm -hmm. or how and was through dreams is through the interpretation and analyzing of our dreams um, there's a gentleman uh, who's been both of our teachers. His name is Michael Sheridan, and he has the Ashling School. And um, so I, I knew I had these gifts. And then I would find someone who had these gifts that w- was using them. Um, oh, I apologize. Uh, there's birds feeding here. Um, it's okay, buttermilk. Um, and uh, so let's say you and I share a gift the title of it, it doesn't mean it's going to operate the same. Rarely does it ever operate the same. And so that's something that I had to learn how to accept as well, is that um, what I do is different than what Samantha does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you, uh, when you get into a comparison game, you know, it's, uh, it's a, there's only one of you alive and only one of you that will ever exist. And your antenna is so special and unique to you. And so just, just know that part of, uh, you know, tapping into one's spirituality is learning how to, um, exist and advocate and love yourself in an, in a solo state before you can ever expect to have relationships reflect the same. Um, it's a, a I, I don't know if you've found that, um, but I have found that being able to go within yourself before needing the validation of others um i had to learn how to do that as well agreed agreed well. Yep. Uh, almost that yeah i find myself correcting that a lot lately i will be in a state of fear or anxious or i don't know some sort of unsettling emotion whatever it might be and my initial response is oh i'm going to text so and so or i'm going to go talk to my husband or oh i'm going to go you know it's just instantly you want to go you want to reach out somewhere and either distract yourself or find some sort of validation or comfort and the beautiful thing for me in the last year or so has been the the pause button be like oh wait a minute I'm searching for external comfort or external validation when really if I would cop a squat over here on my meditation pillow for about 90 seconds Yes. And just ground and just say hello to one of my guides, whether they give me guidance or not, just that pause button and the internal validation or the internal soothing. And it's so quick and so easy and so beautiful. And yet it's so easy to skip that and go straight to somebody else. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Your, your cat is hunting. I see it. <laughs> yeah. 
Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yes. That takes a lot of awareness because I used to do that without even realizing that I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that this action that I was doing was simply just seeking energy and, and, you know, whatever the words were, um, but it was some sort of energy that I felt lacking in myself, which mm-hmm. is never the we we are never lacking. We have an abundance at all times. Um, and, you know, something else that uh, a, the same counselor told me, and she said, you know, feelings and beliefs aren't necessarily true, but they're your truth. Mm-hmm. So that was something else when I would have a feeling about something, you know, I had to, to discern um, what it was rooted in because it, you know, a lot of times my feelings weren't actually rooted in the reality that was actually happening. It was in a story that had happened years ago that I was bringing with me still today that, you know, this reason that this, you know, this guy that I liked didn't respond is because he was cheating on me. Like that would be, you know, the first kind of uh, thought process when communication would get, would be different one day. You know, that's, that's not a healthy uh, first thought for anybody. Um, and so, but I, yeah, so yeah. Mm -hmm. There's that pause button, the beauty of the pause button. I think that's a lot of, a lot of why perhaps we don't awaken or so many people don't, or they don't do or achieve the healing that would be, you know, ideal if we could all heal all of those beautiful layers. Um, but there's just an abundance of distractions. There's an abundance of social media and scrolling and, videos and TikToks and advertisements and I don't know, bars and restaurants and events and music. And not that all of those things aren't good of themselves. None of those things are bad, but they're so easily accessed and can hold our attention as a distraction for such a long period of time that it's easier to do that, I think, than to face the music. Because it's, I personally think it's hard. I've had this conversation with another spiritual friend. Uh, Personal growth sucks. (laughs) Yes. The results are outstanding and I highly recommend it, but it is a slow, painful process that forces you to face some really hard truths, to dig up some memories or beliefs or past trauma. I mean, you name it. So many things that I've heard so many friends who aren't spiritual say, why would I want to dig that up again? Why would I want to think through that? Well, you buried it the first time and didn't heal it, or you wouldn't be having the reaction you're having right now. So if you dig it up and solve it, well, not solve it. I don't, that's not the right word, but heal it, address it, set it free. You won't be facing it again, but it's so much easier to go about our day to day and scroll a few more times and click like a couple more times and move on than to face those hard truths. For me, one of the biggest things that I remember was, um, and let me think about how I want to say this. I had, I, I don't know what the the rooted emotion was. I don't know if it's fear, but is that who I thought I wanted to be wasn't who I thought I wanted to be, and I didn't want people. It's okay to change your mind, and for some reason, I didn't think that it was okay for me to change my mind. That mm-hmm. I, I was set out to be this one thing, and now I didn't want to be this one thing anymore. Um, I guess embarrassment would almost be the, the word. Um, and, um, cause the other piece too is, uh, it's, it's thinking it's identifying as one thing and then realizing that that one thing, it just isn't important anymore. It doesn't fit. Yeah. 
doesn't fit exactly yeah. i think that's that's a thing that's um I, I don't know what the right words are to use either a uh, societal value or yeah. our judgment when we change our minds i've heard that from a couple of different friends in different areas of their life and i'm feeling that way myself right now actually it's interesting to bring that up because we are um, looking at buying a different home and selling one of our homes and we tend to buy and sell homes and property quite frequently. And it always upsets me, which is crazy because half the time it's my idea and I still don't want to do it. <laughs> and when I got down to the root of that in the last week or so, because it's really been upsetting me, it was that fear of judgment that the neighbors or this community of friends you've built will look at you and go, oh, there she goes again. Can't make up her mind. Um so I, I don't know if that's a true community judgment or if that's just in my head, but I think that's a thing. Um, I think it probably consists of both, but here's the, uh, and when I say both is, uh, so I've moved a lot um, for folks that are going to be listening to this. I'm in an RV. I've been living out of my RV. Uh, I sold my house in 2021. And so I've been living out of a 24 foot RV for years now. Um, and you know, there are times where my mind can go, you need, you should get back into a house. And here's the thing. Uh, it doesn't really matter where I live ultimately. Like that's no. just all structural. It's all external things. Uh, but when I've moved places and returned, I've had neighbors go, well, you didn't say goodbye last time. And, or there's different, there's been different comments made. And at the end of the day, you give reality meaning. So mm -hmm. I give, I, I, I give purpose to whatever they're sharing. And um, so there, there can be different feelings that I've experienced, whether it's in the form of guilt or what have you about moving and, you know, coming and going, let's put it mm -hmm. that way. So I can so identify with that. What I do know at the end of the day is I don't live my life. I don't live life. It's not mine. Uh, you know, life exists before I was here and it will exist after we only just get to control the experience of it uh, is I live it for myself. And so that's, it's like, I had to let go of, of living by logic because that is the karmic way to live life. Life is to be lived through feelings and being guided and what doesn't feel good anymore. There's a reason you got to listen to that and allow yourself to, like you said, move forward, sell a house, whatever it is. Um, and so, and those in your life, who do express um, their feelings about it in a way that isn't helpful or supportive of you. They don't get to be and you don't get to share energy anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I've experienced life now. But I can so identify with that, that feeling or concern of others and their, who they, who they, who they think I am. Yeah. Or who they think you should be. Oh yeah. There's another. Yes. Yes. I think yeah. that's another important terminology to throw in there because I think there's a lot of expectations on both sides. I, what's that quote? I'm a million different people. I'm someone else to every individual or some such thing. There is no singular version of me. I'm a different person to everyone, not intentionally, just everyone has their own reality and everyone has their own picture of you. And it might not even be accurate, but that's who you are to that person. 
Um, and then there's who you think you are. And then there's who society or friends or family thinks you should be. There's who you think you should be. There's, you know, the list of <laughs> characteristics is really long as to how we should be doing all of these things. And I think it ties nicely with a comment you made earlier in the podcast and just now about living life for yourself. And you said something earlier about being selfish. And I wanted to pick up on it and I forgot to come back to it. But I think that's so crucial in our interpretation of the world, the word selfish, because I think it generally has a negative connotation and I don't think it always should have. I think in many ways we need to be selfish in a positive way, not to the detriment of others, but to focus on ourselves internally, our spirit, our intuition, our higher, our higher selves, our guidance, our guides, all of that and fully own our own experience in a selfish way, which, which is a loving way, not to the detriment of somebody else, but to the betterment of ourselves. Um, thoughts. I see your head nodding thoughts. So I just, I, uh, cause, um, you may also say you could use the word in balance or living balanced versus selfishly. They almost go hand in hand because mm -hmm. the selfish is what's the intention behind me doing this is it because I'm supposed to do this or is it because I authentically want to do this? And maybe I normally would want to authentically do this, but my energy has been taken other places today and I don't have it to, to give to you. So that's still going to be a no. Uh, I used to say yes to so many things that I had zero, zero interest in doing whatsoever. But it was like, this is what, you know, if I want to be inspiring, or this is what a good little girl does, or this is if I want to climb the corporate ladder. And now um, I've learned how to, and some may observe it as rude, but again, I can't change their experience of me. They are going to experience me however they're going to, is I, I made it a, a, a pact with myself not to lie even. Like recently I had a neighbor that I was watching their cat for them. That wasn't how the, the relationship started, but that's ultimately what the relationship had become. And they were going out in town like every weekend. And it was suddenly I, I, I felt almost contempt in my heart one day for this action. I like cats. I, I enjoy helping people. And then I realized that this person had made a lot of withdrawals for me mm -hmm. without making deposits. And I didn't ask them to make a deposit. You know, I was the one that was allowing, I was the one that was going and taking care of this cat, but I ultimately realized in a moment that this was no longer sustainable because the exchange of energy wasn't there. I wasn't getting out of it what I was putting into it. And so I even asked a few people, what do you think I should say? And they go, you should just lie, just say X, Y, Z, or, you know, I'd probably just continue to watch the cat. And I was thinking like, none of those were viable. And I, you know, something that I've also learned is we don't have to be so emotional in our decision-making. And I just shared a message and said, I'm no longer interested in watching the cat. That, that was the extent of the, the message. Um, and they responded and we're still friendly. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's okay to change your mind. And the selfish part being is that initially I was okay with it, but then I realized I wasn't. Um, and you don't have to continue to uh, move forward with that behavior if you if you suddenly feel differently about it. Um, but it's the form of energy and the and the and how it manifests in an emotion that that's my compass for life anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's how I know. And because I certainly say yes to things, and I go, damn. <laughs> but 
I'm not going to say, you know, like, um, you know, and I do the action. I'm like, I, I would not do this again. So now I know for like, it's not like there's like, it's a perfect science to it, but I learned something about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I think about the selfish component. I don't know how you think about it, but that's for me, it's, it's an energy thing. And if it's, if it's taking too much and I'm not getting it in return, like I heard this the other day, it was so beautiful. It said a smile costs you nothing because mm-hmm. whenever you give one, you get one in return. Yes. You know, and so that, but yeah, but even sometimes I don't feel like smiling at folks. So <laughs> <laughs> depends on the day. Exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny. You asked my interpretation of being selfish and I wish I had an eloquent answer for you, but I'll be honest and say, I'm still learning. I am a recovering people pleaser who has done much better at not saying yes to everything, but I'm still not there. I'm not there. I'm not good at saying no all the time. And what I'm learning in the last couple of weeks in particular is my need to overexplain myself. Even when I am valid or, you know, your example of I'm no longer interested in watching your cat. I would have sent a three page letter about what beautiful people they are. And I love being their neighbors. And I'm so sorry. I can't like, I, <laughs> the concept of a one sentence answer for me is just... <laughs> still a very, very difficult concept for me to master. And I know I need to because our actions do not require justification. Um, I'm, I'm getting better at that with my husband, by the way, who speaks in bullet points. That is his communication style. <laughs> Give me your three bullet points. That's all we need. I do not need a 10 page essay. Just highlight it for me in 30 words or less. <laughs> so I find it, I, I'm learning. I'm definitely learning because saying who you are or what your needs are or how you feel and stopping. No, I'm not interested. Yes. I love that. No, I don't want to do that. Period. Period. Like there doesn't have to be more after that. And yet I think I've grown up in just an environment that required so much appeasing and people pleasing and lack of acceptance. I, I felt unaccepted for a good portion of my life. Um, and always striving for approval and acceptance. So for me to say no, I that is so difficult. It's always no, but I love you. Please don't hate me. <laughs> yes. And if you don't think that my mind went through all those rabbit holes, mm-hmm. like typing it out, then deleting it and then typing it out. And then I was like, Tiffany, what are you? That's when I get into the third person where I'm really observing a behavior that is man. It's a human condition. There's some, some sort of uh, behavior that this personality that was developed, you know, before I had self-awareness, you know, 18 months, age five, uh, is now behaving in a way that, you know, my soul is going, what's, you know, so I'm in an observer mode, but I don't even know how to change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so somebody from the outside world would just easily go do this, this, this. But for me in the driver's seat, it's like, I don't have this 360 degree purview that you do of, of, you know, I'm the one driving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Our perspective, I think is so limited, so beautifully limited. Um, I've always felt even before spiritual awakening or any concept of spirit guides, universe, source, God, you name it. I always felt like humans were an extremely limited species. And I wasn't berating us. I just felt like, hey, there is a huge universe out there. I don't feel like we know a whole lot of anything. (laughs) This existence is really cool and I'm enjoying it, but I feel like we are extremely limited in what we can 
conceive of, what we can grasp, not even just what we can do. I mean, we can build things and we can be technologically advanced, but but what we can grasp as a species and perceive and sense, I feel like is so limited. So when you talk about our perspective, I think that's another one. We have so many pairs of glasses on. We look like bubbles from the trailer park <laughs> and we, we can only see this one weird distorted version of ourselves and the world around us. Um, I wish I could see what I look like to other people. You know, I get, you get feedback from friends or, you know, my husband says the most sweet things. And I, I always wish, wow, I wish I could see what he sees when he looks at me. I wish I could. Yeah. Or the feeling like, uh, like I was talking about the smiles and what had triggered that thought was I was, uh, where was I running errands at a grocery store? And it's almost, it's nearly impossible for me not to smile at people when I'm out and about. I, I've tried to just be stoic. It's just something in my heart that just is, that just is not in alignment to not smile at somebody when they're passing by. It's not always, sometimes I don't have the energy for it, but nine times out of the 10, my face is, chest, shoulders are back and I'm smiling at folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you do get that smile in return mm-hmm. and just does something it's like you to me that's like me I felt the smile that I gave it's like what I got in return was the love that I was giving out and it's just I so I I I get glimpses of myself as reflections of others if that makes sense beautiful yeah I love that behaviors of others I get glimpses of myself but it's the the only times when I'm able to truly see it is when I believe that in myself, when I know it already to be true, mm-hmm. that I'm able to receive it in others. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm a grinning idiot most of the time when I'm out. <laughs> in fact, I had that experience last night. We were at a concert. Um, and I noticed myself. I literally know like my face was starting to hurt because I just had such a fun time with so many friends last night. And by about nine o'clock, I'm like, why, why, what is, what am I feeling? And I sat there and thought about it for a minute. I'm like, wow, I think I've been smiling for like three hours now. And I wasn't even looking at anyone. I was just sitting there watching the concert and my face hurt. And I started looking around. I'm like, wow, it is so beautiful to see someone smile back or you know, I'm kind of a kook at concerts, so I'll dance. Or when there's a country song, there's a whole group of us line dancing. And I have no idea how to line dance, but it was fun trying. And I had so many gals give me a hug and say, thank you. That was so much fun. Or, you know, just fun little comments from people you don't know. And in my mind, I feel like I'm giving little bits of joy to other people. I know maybe that's kind of goofy, but I find so much reward in just raising the vibration of the room around me and hoping that on some level, someone around feels it. They won't know it, of course. I mean, they're probably not going to know what it is or why, but if they feel a little better because you're there, I think that's beautiful. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the power of now, the power of the moment, mm-hmm. which is all we ever truly have. You know, if you've got worry or anxiety, it's the past or the future. And, you know, one hasn't happened and one's in the past. And so, you know, children do a really great job of that for us. Mm-hmm. If you do have children or if you're ever around young children, you are, you're, you realize you're all in and the, you know, this is, this is the most exciting thing that could possibly ever be going on in this very moment. It's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they walk like 
we walk through a zoo and we just walk through it and they're going, Ooh, Ooh, look at this mom, mom, mom. I mean, everything is so exciting. And, you know, it's just like, for some reason, the older we get that we lose that, um, it always is a part of us. It's just, do we have the, do we allow ourselves to tap into that frequency of joy? Mm -hmm. We all have access to that frequency. It's just the allowing ourselves to go there because there's some vulnerability to it initially. There is, mm-hmm. there is. And I think it requires us to rein in our exotic, crazy brains. Uh, for me personally, as a type A overachiever who constantly has a checklist and a plan for everything, I found that I was rarely in the moment simply because it was, okay, well, in the next hour, I have to do this, this, and this, and tonight is this, tomorrow's that. So even in a zoo, you're on vacation, you've laid out the vacation, where are you going to dinner tonight? What time do you have to check out of the hotel tomorrow? How long is the drive home? What time is my call for my conference call for work? You know, <laughs> as a five-year-old, all you see is a giraffe and you want to go pet it. But as the adult, you're like, okay, so we got 20 minutes left. Where am I going to find everybody dinner? And I wonder what time our parking expires. And <laughs> you lose the joy when you turn on the responsibilities of adulthood. It's hard to turn that off, I think. Well, it's the ego. That's yeah. it's the mom. It's like never solutions-based, always searching for a problem. That's Mm -hmm. its job, problems, problems. So the less you identify with thought, the less you identify with the mind. And you just, it's like, you know, we, a lot of times the elderly lose their allure in society. I mean, think about how many, you know, retirement homes there are here and how often they're visited. Um, one beautiful gift that they traditionally have that we don't is the ability to be mm-hmm. just being, they're just there. And when you're younger, you have your health and, and also this motivation to do. So you're able to create more, but you're, you don't know the essence of being, mm-hmm. you, just don't, you know, and that's a learned behavior. Um, so you can do it at any age. You just have to learn how to shut the mind off and feed, know that it wants to be fed and it actually feels good inside to feed the ego, right? Like when you get, you know, to be uh, self-righteous and there's some different, you know, adjectives that I can think of, it feels really good inside to, for the ego to, you know, it's like it's powering up, um, but it's fleeting. And then it leaves you in a state of the same thing there's some sort of narrative or story that it's got to maintain in order for that to be the truth mm-hmm. so yeah uh not identifying with your thoughts is it's not something that the human is even set up for i mean we have these compulsions just like think about animals they have compulsions human beings we're animals and we have these certain things that the soul tries to get us to override that the ego wants to do it's like having I think about it as having a rider on the back of an elephant. Like you can direct the elephant, but if the elephant really wants to go, it's <laughs> going to be able to overpower you. <laughs> I have never heard that analogy before, but I like it. The ego is so difficult to tame. So the concept of trying to steer an elephant is is what it's like to try to direct your ego. I love it. Yeah, it can be yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. I have found that as a, I, I refer to, I need to stop referring to myself this way because Peter Crone would yell at me. There's power in words, right? So I've, I've called myself a type A overachiever most of my life. Maybe I'll call myself a recovering type A overachiever. <laughs> With those per- yes. That's the, the choice happens in the moment. It does. Um, I have found though, in the last couple of years, as I'm working through personal growth, spiritual development, 
I'm letting go of lists and planning and timing. I still have some of those things. You know, I have a job, I have a life. Some of those stills requires, you know, a calendar with meetings on it. Um, but I start my day and don't think it through. Normally I would plan each hour, even non-working hours. I need to go do this. There needs to be laundry, this, this, this. And I let go of all that. And it was kind of panic for a couple of weeks, trying to figure out none of this will get done. Like if I don't have a list, if I don't have a schedule, my life will fall apart. And the beautiful thing was when I let all that go and I literally just lived my day without thinking it through, without putting pen to paper, I just lived my day. I actually functioned at a much higher level. I got more done and I enjoyed the day infinitely more than when I was trying to force the schedule into this preconceived notion of what I thought the day should be. But when I let my higher self drive and the intuition just guided what needed to be done next, and I would just hop out of my chair and go, oh, I think I'll go do this or, oh, this comes next. I didn't doubt it. You just let the day guide you. And somehow it's just the most beautiful flow. And it works so much better than any spreadsheet you can ever put to paper. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. It's that is, uh, that it's the the art of surrendering, though. Yes. And once you know that you don't ha- have any control over what's actually happening, that really helps too. Um, and, and that your thoughts do become your reality. But uh, it's like, for me, I'm trying to remember the Disney movie. It's not, maybe it's Horton Hears a Who, but it's just the beginning scene is just this uh, puffball just floating. Okay. And just floating. But within this puffball is an entire society. And they have no idea that they're, they have zero idea that they're floating through um, another reality. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, it is Horton Hears a Who. And so the two do collide because Horton's the only one that can hear them. Mm. Um, but it's, there's a, there's a peacefulness to just allowing to unfold what is to unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're always guided and it feels really good for me anyway. There's a yes. warmth. That, that there's a, a be, I, it's like being held. We're always being held no matter, even if we feel it or not. I remember mm-hmm. that was from like, I did, I just misquoted it, but your book, your first one, mm-hmm. that was one of probably my biggest takeaways is that we're always held, whether we realize it or not, we are always held. And so when you actually allow yourself to be held and feel the fact that it's happening, it's, it's magic. It is beautiful. It took me a while to get there. I remember when I first came around to the notion of spirit guides and channeling, and I had met with a couple of channels, you included, and started reading about what spirit guides are and learning how many I had at the time and trying to have conversations. I was so freaked out for, I don't know, a good month at least. And I had the most basic human questions. So I'm riding along in the car with my family and I'm thinking to myself, well, if we all have three spirit guides and there's three of us in the car, that's do the math. I don't know, 10, 12, 15 people and spirits in this car. They won't fit in this car. How do all the spirits fit in this car? Do they go with me when I go to the bathroom? What are they doing (laughs) when I'm doing basic human functions that you would never want anyone else to see? What do they do? They get bored while I'm in meetings all day. What do they do while I sleep? Like I was like a little kid who had just discovered a new toy and had 5 million questions. And it freaked me out all day, every day. Like I just, I cannot, I cannot comprehend what they do, what they see, what they think when they see what I do. (laughs) And I actually had this thought again last night at the concert. For some reason, it comes to me when I'm in large groups of people. I think because I just, I feel the energy of, of that many people and that much spirit. And 
my guides were visiting with me and they just laughed. I was like, Samantha, you have, you have no idea. Like human functions to us are of no interest. Like we, we don't care. <laughs> we don't care when you use the restroom. We're not interested. That's not a thing to us. You put such emphasis and importance on all of these. I always say humanings. You're doing all the human things. Um, like we just, we don't, we don't care. You don't understand the perspective of what those things mean in the energetic sense. They mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing in the energetic sense. So anyway, that's kind of a funny little story from my awakening. <laughs> I I love it. Cause yeah, it's, um, it's the material stuff. It does mm-hmm. it physical things like, and that's one thing I would say, one of the biggest parts I would say from what I'm have been working on and continue to work on is just the acceptance of my body and yes. love having gratitude for it because it's gotten me to this point in my life. And, you know, I've been significantly heavier and I've been significantly thinner and there was something wrong with my body at both intervals. So it's not my body. Uh, it's my mind. And I know that I'm not my mind, um, but there's still pockets of, and when I speak this, obviously it's, it's like doubling down on the, the, the validity of it is that, um, there's that there's something wrong with my body. And that came from my mother comes from society. Mm -hmm. Um, that's definitely, uh, part of myself from a physical perspective that I'm still learning how to accept and to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm absolutely right there with you, which is frustrating. Um, but it's beautiful to begin to grasp the perspective that we are not our body and there is no value associated with the body that you're in outside of it's the sacred vessel through which you have the human experience so it's valuable in that you should take care of it and enjoy it and cherish it but at the same time my value or my struggle with value is when i'm out in society it's how am i seen how am i accepted how am i viewed and those perspectives i don't think have value i place value on them but i i shouldn't yeah because one of a favorite quote of mine is that your body is your soul's best friend. Mm. And it's so true because without one, you don't get the other, um, the experience anyway, the, the soul's experience would cease to, um, evolve if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we go to the spirit world, I mean, it's just, it's just, we're directly connected to source and it's so loving. We don't have the ability to create like we do here. You know, we live in a physical and a 3d world, we can do things in this body that we can't do outside of this body. Um, and so uh, you're, you're right, just taking care of it. And whatever that looks like is going to be what it looks like for you. Um, but I can tell you how I used to spend a lot of my energy was telling myself how fat I was or counting how many more miles I needed to walk in order to burn the dinner that I just had. Or if I do have dessert, I mean, the goal was always thinner. There was never an actual number. Cause once I got to that number, that size, it was always more, more weight, uh, more inches, um, to the point that, I mean, I spent years and I, I do have attention deficit, uh, uh, but I spent years on a medication that I abused, um, you know, Adderall. It's a, it's a huge appetite suppressor. Um, I drank a lot of my dinners. I am an alcoholic. I no longer drink. Um, and so that allowed me to curb my appetite. So there, there were different ways in which 
um, you know, my ego was fed and, and searching for that, you know, something in my body that was never there to begin with. Mm -hmm. There's no problems with it. Um, but the ego likes to create issues. Um, and so I can't imagine, honestly, um, you know, folks today, I didn't grow up. I mean, cell phones were like available when I was in high school, but we didn't really have reception. So it's like, you still use landlines. And if you hooked up throughout the night, it's because you ended up at the same party. Uh, but today with social media and the, you know, how much more, you know, we're, we're more connected than ever, but less connected, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally. And so, you know, um, I, I can't imagine psychologically what that, you know, would, would, how that would have influenced me differently. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my beautiful friend, we have reached an hour at this point and we are still on our first question, (laughs) which is fantastic. (laughs) Nice. So before we wrap things up, if people want to learn more about the beautiful Tiffany or book a reading with you, how can they find you? Uh, my, so you talked about at the beginning that your middle name is Tiffany. My mm-hmm. middle name is Hill and it's my mother's maiden name. Okay. Uh, and my business name is the healing Hill. And so you can go to my website, which is www.thehealinghill.com. Uh, and you would find all the services and, uh, booking information there. Fantastic. Well, and I'm going to end with my little plug as well. Same thing. If you want to find me, <laughs> if you haven't found me that way already, I am at www.drcooperandco.com. And Tiffany, I cannot thank you enough for all your time today. It's been a beautiful conversation. Much gratitude, love and hugs. Love you too. (laughs) Bye. Bye.